Our gospel reading today comes from Matthew chapter 12, uh, verses 46 through 50. While Jesus was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, uh, we give you thanks for this time that we get to gather, Lord, as, as these words in Scripture have shown as members of your family. So, Lord, make that a reality for us today. Stir us with your Holy Spirit to see the way that you have identified us as children children of you, Lord, and brothers and sisters of one another. May you write that on our hearts, Lord, and change the way we view everything about our life and our faith. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would please be seated. Well, I was trying to figure out a, a nice, cute little, like, tie-in for, for the sermon series and stuff, but, like, how about those Houston Astros? <laughs> Woo! There is no way I'm going to try to connect these two. I just wanted to say that because like this, it was so exciting. Um, and it's so exciting, but it is exciting to be able to talk about that, to share about those things at work, at school, and here with our church family, uh, to celebrate all things. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be the birth of a child. It could be the getting, you know, the, we get a new job, and it could be our hometown baseball team headed to the World Series. So whatever it is, it's, it's just exciting to be a part of that. And so with that little aside, we'll move forward now <laughs> into our, 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 our series uh, topic for the day. So, because we're in the midst of a sermon series, uh, if you can tell here, it's called Radical Ordinary Hospitality. And what's really neat is that each week of this series, we've seen our study of hospitality have an inward movement in concentric circles. We have a graphic here that I think will help us kind of see uh, what this missional movement really looks like. So the first thing we explored in our first week was radical, ordinary hospitality. And that's the whole white area outside of the circle. This is what's framing everything that we're talking about is radical, ordinary hospitality. And how it's not just something that we do, but it's the mark of our identity as believers in Jesus Christ. This is the life we live. It's, it involves things we do like inviting people over, you know, having coffee here on Sunday mornings, which is always a good thing to have. But it's also just who we are as believers. It pours out of everything we do, everything we think, everything we say. And so that first week we really pressed into that um, and explored that. If you, want, if you missed that week or want to kind of get a refresher, you, all these sermons are online. Um, and you can go kind of catch back up. And we have discussion things online so you can kind of walk through those even more. And so we're doing this and, and following Jesus' lead, the way he lived a radical, ordinary, hospitable life, uh, we're following in his footsteps. And as we move forward, understanding kind of what that is in that framework, we move into the first circle, which is this, the art of neighboring. 
And we talked about that in the second week, about what it means for us to, to be hospitable to our neighbors. Who are our neighbors? How do we do that? What does this life of hospitality look like on the ground level? It's kind of easy to talk about it theoretically, but when we're talking about day-to-day life, what does that mean? And that led us to last week when we talked about the joy of Jesus, where the joy of Jesus serves as a huge kind of momentum pusher and the source of how we're able to live this hospitable life. Because sometimes we go like, that's great, I can do these things, but why are we doing this again? It's because of the joy of Jesus, the way the Holy Spirit is moving in our lives, moving in our hearts, and changing us into people that are reaching out to love the stranger. And that's where we see what uh, we've been talking about it every single week, the quote by Rosaria Butterfield, where she says that we are turning strangers into neighbors and neighbors into our next circle, into family, the family of God. That's where we land today. See, so as you can see that we're, the, the Holy Spirit is pressing this inward, how it's becoming something that's kind of a thing we theoretically or ethereally do or think or this kind of state of things to how it's really kind of grabbing other people on the outside and pulling them in to the church, pulling them into the family of God. And so today we're going to explore, as you may have been able to tell, there's a couple things we've been reading about family. A lot of family language, children, sons, daughters, brother, sister, mother, father, that kind of language. Now as we start moving into this, uh, I kind of want to Think about family for a second, because family is a very interesting topic, because uh, family can mean a whole lot of things to a lot of different people. Um, and in this room alone, in this, this room that we're gathered here, uh, we have all sorts of different uh, familial backgrounds, and we all have different connotations associated with the word family. For some of us, families, that means something big, lots of people. Whole lot of people. For, for some of us, family is small, just a few people. For some, family is a very tight and close relation. They do everything together, share everything together. Have, there's no such thing as a family reunion because that's Tuesday. That's just what you do. You don't need the reunions. You're always there. And for other families, maybe you're not as tight. Maybe there's little to no relational interaction whatsoever. There's nothing there. Some families have two parents who've been married uh, throughout the whole life. They've shared in that. They've kind of had that as their model for marriage and relationships. Some have one parent. And they've, maybe they had two at one point. Maybe it's split. Maybe they only grew up with one. Some maybe never grew up never knowing a parent. Um, we have one kid, two kid, three kid, no kid. We have all sorts of different kid dynamics in our families. Some of us also have loving and caring and supportive homes. And so when we think of family, that's the warm feeling we get. But for others, it may be a source of contention, of argumentation, of fighting, conflict, and maybe even abuse. And so with all these things, we come to this, this topic of the family of God with a lot of things that kind of are influencing us. Influencing us and those stand at the, the forefront of our hearts and minds when we say we are part of a family. That's what that will bring up. 
And I think the, so with all those different dynamics, instead of trying to, to wrestle with each one individually, uh, it may be helpful for us to just go to what Jesus talks about in our gospel reading today and start with what Jesus said and what Jesus was meaning and let that shape those experiences that we have since they're so varied. Let's go to the very words of Christ himself. And hope and pray that as we go through this, that the Holy Spirit will, will move in us and we'll leave here today feeling and knowing that regardless of what those familial backgrounds are, whatever our history is, that we are united and unified as one family in Jesus Christ. And that's what's going to shape the way we view families moving forward. So to start, if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, we're going to jump right back into Matthew chapter 12, uh, verses 46 through 50. So if you want to grab that, look at that, read that, track with that, um, it may be helpful. So I'll read that again for us. While Jesus was speaking to the people, behold, his mother and brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So what does Jesus mean here? Because what is he kind of telling those people gathered? Well, it's pretty simple and, and just the explanation because it's in the text. He says, whoever does the will of my father is my mother and brother and sister. Their view of one another, and these are not all relatives gathered. There's some. You know, as we know, if we dive into the Gospels, look, some of Jesus' followers were related, but not all of them were. But he's saying here that you don't view one another as a stranger. Now, if you do the will of my father, you're not even neighbors anymore. What are you? Your mothers and brothers and sisters. Now, this sounds nice and sweet, right? And it can sound pretty catchy in terms of like church language. That may be something you might have heard of one, one time or another. But what does it really mean? Especially with all these different contexts of family. What does that, that mean? Well, in his book, When the Church Was a Family, uh, Joseph Hellerman uh, really looks at what this first century like Jewish Mediterranean family system kind of looked like. And he has a whole book on this stuff. So if you want to get that, check that out. I'm going to kind of break down just three quick points that he does that kind of mark what this understanding of family that Jesus is talking about uh, was. The first is this. In the New Testament world, the group took priority over the individual. It's not about one person. It's about a group. The group functioned as a whole instead of each individual kind of functioning independently of one another. That's kind of different than a lot of our individualistic views. We kind of keep that even in our family systems. We're still functioning as individuals within a group or family. It's not about being one person or even one portion of the family. It's about the whole unit. He presses that even forward now and says this. Second is that in the New Testament world, a person's most important group was their blood family. Like now, if you look throughout scripture, you can kind of see like for, for the Jewish people, like family, blood, that was important stuff. Family names, super important. There's a reason that they have so many genealogies in the Bible. Those things are huge. So like if we think that our family names matter today, like imagine what it was like for them. I mean, it had even more impact on anything that we probably know today. But there's, and so, like, with the, within these groups, the most important group you had was your blood family. And so that brings us to the third one, where we go even deeper into this. The closest family bond was not the bond of marriage, 
but the bond of brother and sister and siblings. Now, this is this was kind of shocking, and I was like, okay. It doesn't negate the fact that marriages were important at all. That's not what Jesus does. That's not what they were saying in these systems. But within families for parents, parents would have been more concerned with the health of the relationship between brother and sister than of their kids and their spouses. So my parents would have cared more about my relationship with my sister than my relationship with my wife if push came to shove in that, which is pretty shocking in some regards, right? Because, and again, it doesn't mean that it lessens the, the importance of marriage or the value of marriage, but it's showing what those family relationships meant. It's highlighting the depth of that. Because the most treacherous act would have been betrayal of one's siblings. The betrayal of one's siblings. So this is kind of the context when Jesus is saying, hey, those who do the will of my father, mother and brothers and sisters, it's this understanding of sibling type of relationship that he's speaking to. That's what he's talking about. I think that's a lot different than probably what we probably naturally are going to want to associate with that. Bruce Molina uh, writes about what this looked like for the early Christians. Now, this is gonna, this is pretty provocative statement, and so we're gonna dive deeper and press into this more. So, what does this actually mean to function as mother, brother, and sister like that? He writes this: What this means is, first of all, that the person perceives himself or herself to be a member of a church and responsible to the church for his or her actions, destiny, career development, and life in general. The individual person is embedded in the church and is free to do what he or she feels right and necessary only if in accord with church norms and only if the action is in the church's best interest. The church has priority over the individual. Anybody cringing a little bit? <laughs> right? That's a little scary, right? That's, that's kind of shocking. When I first read that, I read that quote probably five or six times. I was like, Okay, hold on a second. Let me, let me get my footing underneath me. And I thought about it and think, and I realized, you know, if, if it feels uncomfortable, if it feels extreme, if it feels crazy, it's because what well, kind of is. What Jesus is calling to is definitely radical. It's definitely not the natural way that we're kind of oriented towards things. It kicks it back against so many, especially of our Western American cultures, culture and value. It kicks back against that a whole lot. And I think part of our worry in this, like if we get kind of uneasy, if your stomach kind of churns a little bit, or if your heart rate kind of went up, and you're like, John, what are you saying? Um, I wonder if that's because we view the church as an institution and an organization and not as family. That even when we use language of family, brother, sister, mother, and stuff like that, the reality of the way we function in life is that the church is an institution or an organization. And that's where we become skeptical. And that's where our anxiety comes from. And what we see is that's not what Jesus has called the church and his followers at all, is it? He's called them family. I think if we put that quote and removed church and put family into that, we probably don't blink as much. We're probably not as uncomfortable. Probably actually feels a lot more natural no matter where we've come from in our family life. It breaks this down. What Jesus says breaks down those walls that we have 
and our aversion to any of that kind of relying on the church and seeing the church like for life and career, development, all those things. The church is now being defined by Jesus as a family. We look at one another in that sense, not as members of a team, an organization, or a group, or anything like that, but as family, united by blood, by his blood. This is the family now that he's saying, this is the family you walk through life with. This is the family that you fight for, that you fight with. This is the family that you prioritize and you make time to spend with at all costs. This is your new priority. This is what we're invited into by Jesus. This is what we are adopted into as sons and daughters. This is what we are baptized into as believers. A family that becomes the most important thing. Bought by and brought together by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because that blood runs thicker and deeper than any of our genetic affiliation. Because what Jesus is setting forth here, this is an identity thing too. Right? That our identity, our familial identity is now found in the blood of Jesus instead of the blood that we have in our last name or in our DNA. It runs thicker and it runs deeper. But what does this actually mean and look like? What, is that, what's that, what does that have to do with like life? In a theological sense, okay, that, that can mean I can start to kind of accept that or start to explore that. But when I wake up every morning, how does this affect me and change me? And so what we're going to look at is we're going to look at just a few things right here that I think can help that put some meat on the bones and help this become real to us. And the first one of those things let's look at, and, it, and everything's going to kind of flow from this fountain right here, is that family means life is shared. One of the most basic aspects of family life back then and even now is that life is shared. We share things. We share resources. We share time. We share uh, our homes. We share our cars. We share our finances, all this stuff. And, and we see this played out in Scripture in Acts 2 and 1 John 3. There's all sorts of different ways. One of the main focuses that we've had here at Apostles during this sermon series has been uh, sharing a meal together. This is one of the central focuses that we have shared life as family. And it's a practice that is something that we must recapture as a family of God, that we've probably lost a little bit of. And I think it could be because we've institutionalized a whole lot of stuff. Let's get back to the relationship. We need to reclaim that and recapture that. Because I'd go out there and say, no matter what our family dynamic is, no matter what our family experience is, we probably view those family meals as like a special place and time. It's super important. Like we, we change things, we cancel things, we go to practices late, we go, don't go to things at all, so we can share those family meals, right? We gather there because that's huge in terms of our relationships and our development and just sharing life. And that's because that is a special time. Like, why do you think Scripture emphasizes this so much? We see it at the Last Supper. We see it when Jesus goes and he eats with strangers. You know, we looked at Lazarus a couple weeks ago, and Jesus goes, hey, I'm going to your house, by the way. I'm on my way. Let's go do this. Let's go share a meal. 
He eats with the sinners and the outcasts. Why? Not because Jesus just likes food. I mean, he obviously does. He ate all the time. But because those are huge monumental moments for being a family. They're relational catalysts. In Acts 2, the church gathers, when the church would gather, the, the church would gather, the mealtime was like the main event of everything. That was huge. That was central to their gathering. That's why for our, for our life groups, we want meals to be central to the gatherings because of the re- relational catalyst that it is for helping bond us, slowing us down. We actually have to sit to get off our feet and to spend time. These meals are essential for our formation and bonding as family. These are also a sign of the Holy Spirit at work in the church. It's great when thousands gather and come to know Jesus Christ and proclaim the faith. It's great when there's prophecy and healing and miracles. But there's something even more about sharing life. There's a reason that Jesus focused so much of his time in that relationship with people. That as the early church was forming in Acts 2, that launched the church. Pentecost came, Holy Spirit came upon the people, then they gathered and then sent, were sent out into the world. So part of our practice for this week that we'll explore even more in life groups, we'll explore more, we'll put stuff online for us to look at even deeper, is to go and share a meal with someone. Share a meal. We make the time for family. Let's make the time for family. Go share a meal. And in that, it leads us to our next point, that family means that we're going to be in relationships with people. I know what you think. I don't know. What do we do if they're Nationals fans this week? I think we can get over it, especially if we're winning. Um, That's going to go great online, right? Um, we are called to be in relationship with one another. Because a lot of times we kind of look at things when we hear this stuff, be in relationship, be with family. The first thing I think a lot of us probably think is, what, does this mean that I need to blank? And it's the, the real answer is like, you're not telling me I actually have to do this, right? You're not telling me that I actually need to make the time, that I actually need to sit down. Are you saying that I have to be best friends with everybody? I think Jesus answers that question in this passage because he goes, that's not what you just be family. You don't, you don't categorize. Like when, I, when you go to like a family reunion, if you've ever been to one, I don't go in and be like, all right, let me see my rankings of family members. If you're a third cousin, you get about five minutes of my time. First cousin gets 15. No, we go and we spend time and we bounce around, we connect, we talk, we do that. And we just share things. It doesn't mean that, you know, we go home and we're like tweeting each other like every single day. But there's a sharedness that's inherently there because we're family. And that's what I think Jesus is getting at here. Not about levels of like, are my best friends or not? But more of like, you view each other as family. I'm totally changing the paradigm in which we, you operate from. That's what Jesus is saying. You don't look at it like this. Not strangers and neighbors. Now you're family. And you operate as family. And that's how I think we walk into this when we sit down at these meals. It's like sitting down with a family member, maybe one that we don't know as well, maybe one we haven't seen in a long time. Maybe it's one that we need to have some reconciliation with. Whatever it is, we sit down as family. 
which leads us to our third dynamic in this. The family means being real and being vulnerable. And this may be the most scary aspect of this because I think naturally we want to put up walls to guard who we are. When I was in junior high, I went on a retreat, and the whole theme was about take off your mask. Take off your mask. And I was in seventh grade, and I was like, like Batman? Like, I don't understand. And they're like, you project these pe- who you think people want you to be. I was in seventh grade. I was like, I don't even know what's going on. I'm just like here because like, this is a churchy thing. But what we, they had such a good point because even as kids, we're already putting up a perception of who we want people to see us as. We do that. But in these types of families and relationships that Jesus is talking to, we're called and he's moving. He's saying, take that off. You be real and you be vulnerable. And sometimes that means that we do get hurt. It doesn't mean that it's going to be perfect. But you still do it. You still do it. As a family of God, we have to be real in these relationships. Now, it doesn't mean that when you're meeting, as, as doing this meal, sharing a meal with someone, that maybe the salads come out and you start airing every bit of dirty laundry you have in your history. You don't necessarily need to do that. Maybe you do, but like that's not what we're saying. But in that same sense, we are saying, like, we need to be real. We need to strip the veneer. Take off that desire and that need for us to be seen as perfect and put together but to be seen as brothers and sisters and mothers who are going through life, who have ups and downs, who have struggles, who have doubts, who have fears, who have anxieties, but also have joys and cares and concerns. We be real. And this is going to be tough because it's going to butt up against that even unintentional defense mechanism that to put these walls and barriers up. But this, in what Jesus says, he breaks down these walls. And we want to pray for the Holy Spirit to break down these walls. And for the Holy Spirit to reshape us. Because, as we see here, the church being the church means the church living as family. The church being the church means the church living as family. Not as an organization, not as an institution, not even as a group or a club, but as a family. And that's going to be tough because a lot of us are, we're all busy. We all got 50 million things going on on a light week. We're overworked, we're overstressed. But that doesn't change the what Jesus, it's not even just a call to do. It's the illumination of who we are. We are family. He doesn't say, oh, you'll work to be family. Oh, you have to try to be family in this way. He's like, no, 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 no. I have made you family. In 1 John, he emphasizes that you are children of God, and so we are. So we are. We are children of God. And that's the joy of Jesus being poured out through us, is living as family. Living as family. And this change... This is going to change a whole lot. It's probably going to change just about everything in life, to be honest, which is also frightening. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And I think it'll change the way we approach everything we do. How different is Sunday morning right now when we gather 
if you don't look and say, I don't know those, that person or I don't know this person, but you go, man, I need to get to know that brother. I need to get to know that sister. What if you looked across the room and you saw that person as family, family that you hadn't connected as much with, but you're still connected to? What would that do to our worship together? How would that change the way we pray and what we're actually willing to openly pray about? How would that change the way we prioritize gathering on Sunday morning? Is it something that we push off or is it something we prioritize? How does that change the way that you view life groups, your small groups, meeting with one another, going to men's night, women's night, whatever it is? Does that change the way you view it if you go, I'm missing time with my family? Because would we do that with our nuclear families that live in our home? How do we view that then? Would I sit there and be like, you know what, Mazan, I'd really like to spend time with you, but I'm a little tired. I'm just going to go to bed and sleep in. You can kind of do your thing. What's that going to do to my marriage? She probably wouldn't be too happy. Some cases she may be like, take a little time. That's good. <laughs> and sometimes we need that. But that's, this is going to change this. Jesus is going to change everything about the way we gather to worship. This is a family time. We get to spend time together every week worshiping the Lord. And every single Sunday, we get to come up together and we share in a meal. A meal that reminds us of why and how we're family. And what blood we are united by. There's nothing greater. There's nothing greater. So my hope and prayer is that right here, right now, you're starting to feel more part of the family. That when we see each other as we're about to have a meal here, and then go out and have another meal outside. But that's family time. That even if we have something else to do, a little provocative, maybe we push it back a little bit to spend that extra 15 minutes with our family. And to soak it up. And to love every minute. Whether you're here for the first time, whether you're here for the hundredth time. My prayer this whole week our prayer this whole week, the hard prayer every day is that you feel a part of the family of God here. My wife and I have been here for about a year and a half now, and we feel like family. We felt like family before we were even on the radar of coming here full time. We were just visiting, and we felt that. We hope you do too. That, that, is, that this here today is an encouragement, not a discouraging. I hope you're not like, oh, I don't want any of this family stuff, but that you leave going, what, what can I do? Who can I eat with? Who can I share with? How can I do this? How can I show familial love to someone here that I haven't yet? Or maybe that I need to show more love to the person that I show love to every single day. Because every single one of us is on that journey with each other, with our neighbors, with our family. We've all been on that journey with Jesus as well. We go from strangers to neighbors and neighbors to family. And I just want you to know that I love gathering with the family every single chance that we get to. Thank you, thank you, thank you for showing so much love to the rest of this family. Amen.
If you would please stand.